0: Welcome, dear teachers, to Upper Topics, a podcast in which we will analyse, summarise and pinpoint the most important information from the different topics. I'm your host, Robert, from Upper Teachers. If you want to learn much more, follow me on Instagram for new tips and podcasts. Today, we'll delve into a decisive moment that forever altered the course of the English language, the Norman Conquest. It all started in the 11th century, a time when the echoes of change were resonating across Britain. The stage was set for a dramatic transformation and at the forefront was the Norman Conquest, a watershed event that would leave an indelible mark on the pages of English history. We set ourselves after the Battle of Hastings in 1066, where William, the formidable Duke of Normandy, achieved a triumph that would leave an everlasting scar upon British history. The class of swords and the thundering hoofs of horses marked the victory that paved the way for the annexation of the English kingdom by the Normans. It wasn't merely a conquest. It was a seismic shift that would shape the linguistic landscape of England. As we navigate through the aftermath of this historical upheaval, our focus sharpens on the influence the Norman conquest had upon the English language. The linguistic transformation was profound, altering not just words but the very essence of communication itself. Historical background. Picture a time when the Viking settlers in the 9th and 10th century earned their right to French soil through their allegiance to the Frankish king. He acknowledged their land if they embraced Christianity as their religion. Rollo, the audacious leader of the Normans, elevated himself to the title of the first Duke of Normandy, laying the foundation for a saga that would echo through centuries. These French Normans, an extraordinary breed, transcended borders shaping political and military landscape across Europe. While adopting French language and customs, they hung fiercely to their pursuit of land, wealth and power. They had one of Europe's most formidable armies and a legal system immersed in the rich traditions of the Frankish law. To understand the Norman Conquest better, we must look back to the complex story of succession to the throne in 1051, where Duke William of Normandy, a second cousin to the late king, found himself entangled. He was promised the throne, a solution to the succession puzzle that left the throne without an heir, and which would constitute a gesture of gratitude for Norman support to the king's family. However, Harold Godwinson, a man who having sworn allegiance to William of Normandy, would later break his oath and aim for the throne too, providing the perfect pretext for the Norman invasion. It all occurred in the Battle of Hastings, a fierce contest where William's cunning strategy turned the tide. During the war, William lured Harold into a fatal trap, leading him to believe that they were retreating. but in reality they set the perfect storm. This marked the end of the battle and the ascent of William to the throne on Christmas Day in 1066. We will now unravel the threads of this epic saga, where ambition, betrayal and strategic brilliance converge to shape the destiny of nations, this is not just a story. It's one of the biggest events that shaped the fate of British history. Welcome to the captivating tale of the Norman Conquest. Consequences of the Norman Conquest The trace of the Norman Conquest was clearly imprinted on the pages of the Domesday Book, a monumental book born from a colossal survey in 1085. This book basically portrays which lands and which people belonged to which lords at the time. This has given historians a very good picture of what society was back then with the Domesday book William practically immortalized the aftermath of the Norman conquest the Normans under William's banner became the new architects of power inserting in Britain a French flavored feudalism that reshaped the very fabric of English society the Norman settlement was a seismic shift birthing a new nobility where the English elite was replaced by William's loyal Normans language too became a badge of distinction as fluency in French became the key to social ascent. The English upper class found themselves navigating a linguistic labyrinth, adapting to the Norman elite's preferences for the French tongue. The use of French. French became the language of the ruling class. It was not just a linguistic preference, but a social marker. Yet, amidst this linguistic tapestry, English clung tenaciously to its roots, surviving as the common speech of the masses. So, the question now remains, why did English persist? The answers lie in the robust dialect established before the conquest and the subsequent mingling of cultures as Normans and British started to coexist. French, while enjoying social and cultural prestige, Coexisted with Latin as the language of the church and education, and with English as the language of common daily speech among lower classes. Influence of French on English. The strongest influence of French on English took place during the 13th and 14th centuries, when French vocabulary invaded the English language massively. At this time, the French literature of the period was at its peak in all of Europe, influencing other cultures, writers and languages. So as we understand how French crept into the English language, we observe that it all started in the second half of the 13th century. Influence in Syntax In the grand intricate structure of language, borrowing words is common but borrowing grammar, that is an elusive art. Yet, in the channels of linguistic evolution, the influence of French and English reveals itself in countless ways. An example of this was seen in Chaussure, the poetic maestro of Middle English, who included in his verses adjectives that dare to dance after the nouns defying the conventional English order. Examples can be seen in the goddess Celestials or places Delightables, a linguistic ballet influenced by the grateful steps of French syntax. But that's just the beginning. Caxton, an extraordinary translator, or translate extraordinaires would have been said at that time, used in numerous articles French-inspired relative pronouns, such as the witch, a relative pronoun that mirrored the elegance of the French lequel. This linguistic tango left its mark on enduring English translations. How about something as common as the infinitive plus the present participle? A linguistic rendezvous where French expressions like start running or be going whispered their way into English. A structure now entrenched in our modern linguistic repertoire. It didn't exist in Old English, but in Middle English it found a cozy home, blending seamlessly with native structures. And then we find the verb to do, a chameleon in the linguistic masquerade. From its humble origins in the transitional period between Old and Middle English, it blossomed into a versatile performer, forming interrogative and negative structures. All of these linguistic transformations, although deeply rooted within the English we speak today, once were unknown to its syntax. And, as we delve even deeper, we find that English was also influenced by a wide spectrum of French vocabulary. Influence in Vocabulary We can count over 1,100 French words gracefully finding their way into English during the Middle English era. It was a time when linguistic crossroads defined the evolution of language. Two gateways ushered these words into the English lexicon. One, the influence from the Anglo-Norman society, and two, the later infusion from Central French. Until the 13th century, the influence of French and English was an intricate dance that only had its influence in vocabulary and pronunciation. It would be years later when such influence had its effect in grammatical structures. In this linguistic exchange, words underwent a conversion. Take for instance the transformation from Guardian to Warren, a refined restatement possibly sparked by the populist embrace of the former, or the diphthong OI, coming directly from the influence of French and which was a pattern foreign to the Germanic roots of English. Such linguistic nuances mirrored the ever-evolving interplay between high and low classes. This flow of words from French into English occurred until the winds of change blew with the reforms of Richard III in 1483, a significant shift as English gracefully ascended to the prominence in Parliament, eclipsing the once-dominant French. Borrowings and calques. Language, a living entity, constantly evolving and adapting, similar to a vibrant ecosystem where words are the flora and the fauna, that thrive, migrate and intertwine. Within this ecosystem, we encounter two unique species, borrowings and calcs. Borrowings are like the nomads of the linguistic realm. They traverse borders moving from one language to another, bringing with them the essence of their origin. These linguistic nomads seamlessly integrate into their new linguistic habitat, contributing to diversity and enriching the local lexicon. It's a tale of linguistic migration, where words embark on a journey, finding new homes and forging connections across cultures. Now, let's shift our focus to CALCS, the linguistic architects of translation. Imagine taking a concept from one language, dissecting it into its linguistic components and rebuilding it in the structures of another language. That is the artistry of CALCS. It's like translating not just the words, but the very architecture of an idea. In this process, the soul of the original concept remains, but its linguistic form undergoes a meticulous transformation. Take, for instance, the word restaurant. In English, it's a borrowing from the French, a word that crossed borders and settled comfortably into the English lexicon. On the other hand, think of skyscraper, a calque from the French word ciel. With a literal translation of a building that scrapes the sky gives birth to a new term with a distinct linguistic flair. Knowing this, it is now easy to understand that there are two stages in the movement of French words into English, both encompassing both borrowings and cows that are now used in English communication. The borrowings and calques from the first stage differ from those in the second in being much less numerous and also in being more likely to show peculiarities of Anglo-Norman phonology. Many of the French words that appeared in English before the year 1250 are those that the lower classes would become familiar with through contact with French-speaking nobility, like for example, baron, noble, servant, messenger or minstrel. Then, from the period of the year 1250 onwards, those who had been accustomed to speak in French were turning increasingly to the use of English. The upper classes carried over into English an astonishing number of common French words so as to supply deficiencies in the English vocabulary. And like this, we say farewell to topic 42. In which we have learned that every word has its own and particular origin that gives birth to a world of knowledge and cultural exchange. Modern English emerges from the cocoon of the past shaped by the influence of French that embraced the intricate beauty of the language we know today. If you would like to learn more don't forget to get this topic on my Gumroad Shop where you will find all of the available topics I also recommend you add a relation between this topic and the curriculum and a didactic application of the content of the topic to the classroom. If you would like some help to do so, remember you also have these resources available on my Gumroad shop. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode of Farber Topics.